We are going to be finishing up some things in the area of prophecy. I don't know if any of you picked up on it last week, but um, I was telling you prophecy is sometimes involved in, in teaching. I said something last week I'd never said before. And it, I, I kind of surprised me when it came out. I said, oh. And I, it, I, I was a little taken back by it. And so I said, I need to, I need to check that out. I didn't, de- I didn't develop it any further. So we're going to develop that a little bit further here today. I wanted to, to spend some time on, on that to, to find out. But we have three sections here we're looking at as we look at the faithfulness, or what faithfulness is to God. We looked at the first one, which is those things that were not me, the truth and other people. We've been spending a couple of weeks here on the things that are in me. God has entrusted to me. We're going to finish that up here today. But before we get into the last section, remember I told you the last section was the hardest one. First two, first one was the, was tough. Second one I think has been easier. But the third one is it's a, it's a tough section. I know it's tough for me. And, um, before we do that, we're going to spend some time on what do I do if I am not faithful? How do I get there? And I think it's important for us to, to see what we should do with that because it's a whole lot easier to hear I'm missing the mark. And I, when I understand how God sees me, when you understand how God sees you when you're missing the mark, it will help change some things. And that's what we, we need to understand because we can understand, oh, I've missed the mark. I am not where I need to be on that. But that's okay. Once we see what God is doing, it's not good to stay there. But we're going to show you some things from the Word of God to, to help us out with that. But this morning we're going to, beside looking at some things in prophecy, we're going to look at assignments that are given to us. God has given you assignments, and believe it or not, in the Word of God there are three different types. Three different types of assignments. We're going to show you what these three different assignments are, what these types are, so that you can recognize them in your own life. But last week we were, we were looking at 1 Corinthians, or we finished up with 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. And pull that up on the screen there for us, if you, if you would, Brother Darrell. First Corinthians chapter 14. He said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Prophecy is important because of all the areas of the gifts of the Spirit. This is probably the one you're going to start in the most. There are nine gifts of the Spirit, and we saw that God has uh, given to each one something in here. You've got at least something out of here. You might have two or three or four. You may start off with one and that may increase, but we spent time on each one looking at what they actually were in the Word of God. But he says, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. For But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Now, if I were to ask you to give me an example of exhortation, if I were to ask you to give me an example of edification, and if I were to ask you to give me an example of comfort, could you do it? And how confident would you be in that example? The reason I ask you for that is this. If I am not confident of what an example of it is, how can I be confident in doing it? So I need to know what it is. I need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt what is What are these three things? How do they operate? So we're going to look at some examples of these things in operation in the Word of God because the Word of God is where we go for this. Not just our own personal experience. i got to first off see it in the Word of God. 
And we've told you before that anything that we are supposed to have in our life or anything we're supposed to govern our life by is not only taught in the Word of God, it's taught often, and someone did it. There is someone who did it. If we can't find anyone in the Word of God who operated in edification, who operated in comfort, exhortation, if we can't find it, then how prominent should it be? So we're going to look at some examples of this and spend some some time on that particular thing. But again, the purpose of prophecy, it is to speak, not pray. It is to speak edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. If you're going to speak it, you've got to use your mouth. You can't think it. You can't pray for people, edification, exhortation, and comfort. You need to speak it to them. So, I wanted to spend some time looking up these these words. And I told you before, I've got the big guns in my office. And I pull them out pretty often. Um, but I was looking at some of the little guns on this to, to check some of this out. And I could not find the difference between two of these words. I, I couldn't figure it out. When he says here, edification, exhortation, and comfort. I looked them up in the Greek. I checked out the Greek. I got out the big guns on the definitions. I mean, ones that don't just give you one or two paragraphs or one or two sentences. They give you paragraphs on these things. I've got one I told you before. It goes all the way back into classical Greek. Looks how it works. It gets used in the Septuagint for Greek and then looks at the New Testament for how it's used in Greek. You can get a really good picture of that. You can't buy that work anymore. It's not available online or digitally in any manner at all. It is gone. <laughs> but oh, it's a good one. I enjoy it. So I got here in the office this morning for the purpose of looking that up. I got to check these uh, words out. I'm sure that we're going to get a difference in, in here. So we're going to spend some time on these these words. I want you to know what they what they mean. Edification was pretty simple. And I give you the Greek word there if it matters to you. If you want to look it up on your own. But words that build up or promote another's growth. Edification means words that build up or promote another's growth. In Deuteronomy 3.28, here's an example of that. This is I don't think I put these references in your outline. I gave you some space there, though. Um, I actually left that off before I got there, but it's in mine. I'm going to read them off here for you. Deuteronomy 3.28, but command Joshua. In other words, God is telling Moses, I want you to speak these words to Joshua, right? But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over. Before this people, he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. So the words that Moses spoke for Joshua were for edification. That Moses was going to say some things to build him up or to promote growth inside of Joshua. In Luke 22, verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, you cannot pray edification on a person. The word of God says prophecy speaks it. Now, you can pray for people to be built up. That's fine. But if you're going to operate in the area of prophecy and and be speaking the words of edification, you've got to say something. And so up until this point, there was no edification for Peter. But when Jesus out of his mouth says, I tell you, Peter, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, wrong one. But I have prayed for you that your faith 
should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Is he not telling him words to build him up, to encourage him? Now, the Lord sometimes gets in areas beside prophecy. And he a number of times got into rebuke. That's not in prophecy. But he's the Lord. Verse 33. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. In other words, I'm not receiving that edification. Isn't that what he's saying? So now we got into a rebuke. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you would deny three times that you know me. Just because you speak words of edification over people doesn't mean they will receive it. I'm not telling you that you should get into rebuke like Jesus did. (laughs) But that's what he did in here. But that's an example of edification. In Acts chapter 14, verse 21, and when they had preached the gospel, this is 21 through 22, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So these folks who were going through strong tribulations, he took them aside and he said, hey, basically, you're not alone in this. This is not just happening to you. It's happening to other people. But we're going to inherit the kingdom of God by going through these things. They're edifying them. They're building them up. Let's go over to another one. Acts chapter 15, verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. So something in the letter encouraged them. Verse 32. Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also. So they were in the ministry of a prophet. Exhorted. And strengthened the brethren with many words. It doesn't write down what the words were, but it tells us that through many words, they exhorted and strengthened the brethren. So some of the words that they said in prophecy were exhortation, and some of them were for strengthening. But it was many words that they had done. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. And sent Timothy, our brother, minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. To do what? To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. So they sent Timothy. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. So there are some examples of of areas in the Word of God where they were operating in the in the place of prophecy, for edification. Words that build up and promote another's growth. And so sometimes you're going to find that you just need to go up alongside somebody and speak some words to encourage them, to build them up in their faith, to strengthen them, to promote growth in them. Too often we look at people and we look at the faults we look at the, the, the things that are weak in them and we want to speak to those particular things. But that doesn't necessarily help us in the area of growth. 
I need somebody who's going to come along and say, hey, you're doing this real good. Hey, this is going well. Keep that up. Keep doing these things. That helps. All right, let's go on to the next one. This is exhortation. Now, these are the two words. The next two words are so similar. This one is used a number of times in the Word of God. The third one is only used one time in the entire New Testament. And it's the place that we're looking at. Only one time. Not a whole lot to compare it to. I wrote this. This came out of one of the things that I have access to. And I wanted to read this to you. The concept of exhortation is built on the intent of encouraging and blessing another person. It is not intended to be a rebuke, chastening, or critical commentary. That's just speaking about that particular word being used. Let me read it for you again. The concept of exhortation is built on the intent of encouraging and blessing another person. It is not intended to be a rebuke, chastening, or critical commentary. If you are going to exhort someone... Don't let it be like people who apologize with a but. I am sorry for what I did, but you deserved it. Right? That kind of takes away the whole thing on the apology. We don't need to be doing that. If you are going to operate in the area of prophecy and function in the area of exhortation, you cannot go up to someone and say to them things that are encouraging but, and then rip them down. You cannot go up to someone and say, well, I really got to tell them about these things that are doing that they shouldn't be doing. I guess I'll find some good things to say first. You know, you really dress nice. You smell good. Uh, you're always on time. But you know what? <laughs> no, don't be doing that. If you're going to operate in this area of prophecy, just get in there and speak encouraging things to another person. Things that will bless them. And then end it. I'm going to give you some examples of this. In Jude chapter 1, I gave you the whole reference. I am not reading all these references. I'm reading sometimes part of it. But I wanted it all in there for you so you can go on home and read the whole thing. But Jude chapter 1 verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now you can go on the rest of Jude and see some things he wrote to them in the area, as he called it here, exhortation. And he wrote some, some things in there. That was in that was in Jude. In Galatians chapter five, beginning at verse thirteen, going all the way through chapter six and verse ten. I am not reading all that, and I'm reading the first couple of verses here. Beginning at verse thirteen. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Now, he does not get into the negative on this, and certainly if anyone had the right to, Paul would. He was a, he was a father to them in the faith. But you see, the way some people would phrase this and try and make it be an area of exhortation, he would say, for all, um, let's, let's read it, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only quit using your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. See, that's a little different thing, isn't it? 
He's just saying, don't, you have liberty. Just don't use it this way. I'm not saying that you're doing it. I'm saying just don't use it this way. But in verse 15, well, verse 14, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. He doesn't say, quit biting and devouring each other. He says, if you move into that area, it's not going to be good. But stay over here. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now again, Paul is a father of the faith to them. He could certainly get into the area of rebuke, which he does at times, but had the right to do so. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, if you want to read the whole passage of it, go all the way down to 6, verse 20. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He's just speaking things to him here. And you have the right attitude with this thing. You're hearing this and you say, oh, yes, yes, that's what I got to do. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Now, some people, you say anything to them and they just hear it negative. Well, I guess I'm not so gentle, am I? But you don't have to hear stuff that way. Don't have that kind of an attitude with things. Get up there and, and, and speak what the Word of God gives you. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us and how you ought to walk and to please God. We urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us and you ought to walk and to please God. It's positive. It's building things up. God is going to give you some words to speak over people that are for the purpose of building them up. Making them feel good about themselves and their walk with the Lord. Strengthening them. And we can always have that function. This is the one gift that Paul isolated and said, I wish you all prophesied. Or I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. is how he put it. Even more that you prophesied. This is important. We need to get into it. Now here's the... Here's the real tough one. This is the, the word that means more tenderness than the word we just saw above. And it is only used here. So there's even more tenderness. So you don't see a whole lot of tenderness in all the ones we read. And so I was, I was pondering on this for a while. I said, well, where do we see that in the Word of God? Where can I go in the Word of God where I just see that tenderness that is there? And not just the uh, speaking things that are going to be beneficial for you, helpful, building you up. And so this is where I, I ended up. And you can actually go to a few places in the book of Revelation. But in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, I'm going to read the entire word that was given to the church of Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, the word angel there is messenger. A better thing for messenger would actually be, this should actually be written this way. And to the pastor of the church of Philadelphia. That's how it should be read. They translated it angel as if there is an angel. I'm not saying there isn't an angel over the church. As if he's going to say this to the angel. What good is that going to do the people? He's not saying that. The word angelos is the word messenger. If it's a messenger from God, we call them angels. But this is the messenger of the church. In other words, God gives this person messages for the church. He is the messenger of the church. We would call him the pastor. So, to the, just write it in there, to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia. Right. These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. Now, just another note on this. 
You, how many of you are familiar with the seven churches of, of, of Revelations? How many are not familiar with the seven churches of, of Revelation? All right, we're all familiar with it. If you're not, go back and read chapters 2 and chapter 3. You'll get familiar with them real quick. In some of those exhortations, in fact, in five of the seven, there is some, uh, well, I'll put it this way. Out of four of the seven, there are some positive and negative. Two of them are all positive and one is all negative. Nothing good to say there at all. If he was truly writing to the angel, would he have to rebuke the angel? Would he have to correct the angel? No. Because he's writing to a person. Just wanted to make sure that was clear for you. So these things says, He who is holy and he who is true. He who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. I see I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Now you can see this in just about all of the letters to the churches, except for the one to Laodicea. It is almost like he is coming down, putting his arm around them and saying, hey, look, I know it's been tough. I know things are really difficult. But I want you to know I'm in your camp. I'm right here with you. And here's how it's all going to work in the end. Can you see there's just a little bit of a difference in the way that's spoken? Sometimes you just need to get out there and proclaim the information to help people grow. And other times you need to get right down there, let them cry on your shoulder a little bit, hold them, give them a hug, whatever it might be, and just uh, let them know, you know what? This is what's going on, going on for us. This is what's ahead for us. I know it's tough down here. I know we're going through some tough times down here. But it's all right. Just think, this is only a short time. And if God said back in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, Behold, I am coming quickly. How much quicker is it now? And give them some encouragement. These are the kind of things that you can speak. But you see, it's not just words that are spoken in general. It's words that are spoken by prophecy. It's words that come up from the inside. They come up in your spirit. And God says, this word is for this one. Speak that to them. And you go over there and you speak it. Too many people are getting out there and they're they're making you think prophecy is to foretell the future. It does not. The simple gift of prophecy does not foretell the future. The simple gift of prophecy does not tell you what you did in the past. That's the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. The simple gift of prophecy, he defines it right here in the very book where we're learning it from. It is for edification, exhortation, and for comfort. That's what it's there for. Each one of us needs to go out there and to begin to look for places where we can speak words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, here's what I got into last Sunday. I don't know if you, maybe you heard me say it. Maybe you didn't. I heard me say it. And I thought, oh, I, and I, I, you, I probably didn't look shocked because I'm used to it. 
get used to it after a while. But um, I, I heard, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Wow, that was cool. So it's in this section. Satan has a perversion and a corruption for this, this gift. He has a perversion and a corruption. Now, if I were to be asked about this uh, before last Sunday, I would have simply pointed to the fact that uh, of the perversion. When people are going out and they're speaking to chairs and clocks. And if you've not been in places where they've done it, glory to God, stay out of them. You don't need to be around. It is a perversion of the gift of God. The word of prophecy is not given for you to speak to anything but people. You're not going to prophesy over your dog. You're not going to prophesy over your cat. Certainly not your cat. You're not going to prophesy over your car. You are not going to prophesy over your lawnmower. You are not going to prophesy over your chainsaw. There is no prophesying over inanimate objects. Prophecy comes out for people who hear. And anything else is a perversion. But the Word of God, well, the, the, you, mean you just look around what's going on in some churches and people are out there doing stuff in prophecy that uh, causes others to just despise it. We're not here to prophesy over chairs for practice. Because if I'm prophesying over a chair and the Spirit of God says, I speak to people and I'm prophesying over a chair, who's speaking to me the words I'm speaking? Because it isn't God. So all I'm doing is getting used to speaking by another spirit. It is a perversion. Any prophecy that is not directed at a person is a perversion. I don't care who tries to tell you otherwise. It is a perversion. Because the Word of God tells us what prophecy is for. It is for people. And it is for exhortation, edification, and comfort. That's what it's for. But here's the other one. This is the corruption. I did not see this clearly. I don't know. Maybe I saw it before and just forgot. But I, I, I sure don't remember it this way. And I've talked about all these aspects of it, but never saw it related to prophecy. Do you know that the, that the devil has, has um, corrupted prophecy in the lives of Christians in a way that we're, many people are not even aware of it? And the first area is gossip. And the first area is gossip. That is the tearing down of others. When I go and I speak words of gossip, first off, I am not speaking to the person that they're intended for. I'm speaking to other people. It is a perversion. And more people... How many Christians do you know who gossip? Don't raise your hand. But how many people do you know, Christians, that gossip? Paul says, I would, I would that you would all prophesy. Instead, too many Christians are out gossiping about other Christians. Did you see what so-and-so did? I can't believe they wore that to church. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you hear? I was listening to the TV. Did you hear what that preacher said? Gossip. Gossip. Its purpose is never for building anyone up. It is always for tearing them down. And we try and tear other people down, thereby making myself look better. That's not the way of the, of the Word of God. Here's another area. Complaining. That is to berate, to tear down, and to put down. I complain. Oh, I can't believe they did that. Oh, why does my boss do this? I can't believe they're asking me to do this. We just complain, 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 complain. 
You see, the, the Word of God says, edification, not gossip. Exhortation, speaking words that promote growth. Complaining does not promote growth. It, it, uh, it berates, it tears down, it puts down people. But if I get used to, with my words in my mouth, be complaining, how can I also be one who prophesies? What does the Word of God say? Jesus says this. Can the same fountain produce both good and bitter? If I allow my fountain to be bitter, how can I then turn it into good? You see, the the enemy knows this. So if he can get you to get into the area of complaining, in the area of gossiping, He's going to keep you from the area of prophecy. And if He keeps you out of the area of prophecy, just a simple gift of prophecy, speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort to men, just that simple thing, if He can keep you out of that, how are you going to get into the gift of faith? How are you going to get into the working of miracles? The word of knowledge. How are you going to get into these areas if you can't even get in the grassroots? The basic one. The the one that Paul says, I want you all. To, to work in this, but desire the greater gifts. Desire the greater. That tells me right there that prophecy is not the greater gift. It's the place that you're going to start. So if the enemy can corrupt where you start, he can keep you out of the game. Don't let him do it. Third area is murmuring. Words to stir up rebellion. We saw this in the Old Testament. How many times did they murmur and complain? Uses both words. Murmured and complain. Stirred up rebellion against Moses. Words to stir up rebellion. Dishonor others. And promote distress. Not comfort. They promote distress. I'm going to give you an example of this. An example of bad prophecy. Corrupted prophecy. I'm not going to read this story to you, but you can go back there and, and pull it up from the book of Numbers if you want to. We've already been over this a few times. But the time that Moses sent 12 spies into the land of Israel, and they came back, and two of them had a good report. Ten of them had a bad report. So you can put it this way. Two prophesied. They spoke Words of edification, exhortation, and comfort to the people that were there. If you go back and look at the story and look at the words that Joshua and Caleb spoke, we are well able to take the land. The land indeed is a land that flows with milk and honey. God has given us the land. They are proclaiming good things with their mouth. They're not predicting the future. They're telling you what God said about the future. That's the two. But then the ten come along. Oh, no, no, no. Mm-mm. No, there's giants in the land. Yeah, we saw the sons of Anak there. Oh, man. We saw the different knights that were there. They have these great walled cities. They have chariots. Oh, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. Now, nothing that they spoke was necessarily untrue, was it? 
Were the sons of Anak there? Were the great walled cities there? Were the people of great statue? Were they smaller than the people that were there? Yeah, they did not speak anything that was untrue. But they spoke what was true for the purpose of discouraging the hearts of the people. And that is corrupted prophecy. And that's what the enemy wants to get you to do. He wants to corrupt your words so that the words that you speak discourage those that are around. Well, why in the world do I want to work here? Look at, listen to all the things you say about this place. Look at, the, listen to all the things you say about the co-workers. Listen to all the things you say about this one. Why would I want to do that? So the ten may have spoken the, the truth, but they used, they used it to discourage people. You can use the truth to discourage people. You don't have to make up stuff. You can make up stuff. You don't have to. But they used it to discourage people and to dishonor God and the promise that God gave. Our God is not able. We are not able. We can't do it. We need to go back to Egypt. God has failed us. These are the things they spoke. Keep this in mind. This is what I, this is what came up in me last week. I, I tell you, I never saw it this way. If you saw it, then you were ahead of me. The corrupted prophecy is every time I let something come out of my mouth that is in the area of gossip, complaining, and memory. And I don't want to corrupt the fountain that God had given me. So I got to make sure I stay out of those areas. Don't do it. Stay out of it. More and more reasons for you to, for to do so. Okay, that's just what we wanted to finish up from last time. Let's get on here and take a look at some assignments. Because God has called us in the ministry first off. In ministry, I put in parentheses there, service. Don't just think of ministry as some spooky thing that's out there. Anything that you do to serve the body of Christ is ministry. Anything that you do that serves the body of Christ is ministry. So God's called us in the ministry. He, God empowers us in that calling with the gifts. We talked about them last week. Here's some examples of this. If I am, if I am called into a healing ministry, God is going to gift me with the, uh, with faith, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, gifts of healings would be there. There might even be a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom that would get tied into that as well. And then he's going to assign certain ones or certain meetings for me to go to and minister in. Now, at first, you're not going to have a meeting. You're going to have an individual. And you're going to go out there and you're going to lay hands on those individuals. You're going to pray for those individuals. Because the Word of God told us, lay hands on the sick. Jesus said, I'm going. So, you guys, lay hands on the sick. That's what we're supposed to do. Lay hands on the sick. If you're a teacher, then you don't have to be behind a pulpit to be a teacher. You can be a teacher in other ways. You're going to be gifted in that area that's going to empower the teaching ministry. God is going to give you revelations, going to give you understanding on some things, and He's going to assign you some topics, some things to teach. And you're going to have to develop those particular things. If you're an usher, He may gift you with prophecy. He may gift you with healings. He may gift you with... could even be the word of knowledge or word of wisdom come through in that area because you're encountering people in the area of ushering. And He's going to give you a ministry to serve in as being an usher. And so you can keep on going with other things. And this is why I just wanted to give you some ideas. 
Now, in this, God's going to assign certain things. He's going to assign tasks, he's going to assign projects, and he's going to assign operations. These are the three areas, and I want to go over each one. The God in your area of ministry, he's going to assign you, first off, tasks, secondly, projects, and third, operations. These are not spiritual words. These are just words I have to describe. But we're going to give you examples of each one of these. I gave you some blank space. You can write down as much of these examples as you want to. But I want you to have a picture of how this works. First off, in the area of tasks, this is the one-time action or undertaking. God says, go out there and do this. Here's an example of this. Moses at the Red Sea. How many times does Moses part the Red Sea? One time. That's a task. God says, go out to the Red Sea, stretch out your staff. One time he does it. Go out there and do that. That's a task. That's something that God tells you within the area of ministry he has. This is something I want you to do. And you go out there and you take it on. Saul was sent against the, uh, against Amalek. We just covered it recently. First Samuel chapter 15. He said, he said, I, I want you to go. I want you to wipe them out. I want you to kill everything that they've got. That's what he told him I want you to do. And what did he do? What did Saul do? He didn't kill the king. He brought back the best of the flocks. And God was not happy because he changed the task. This is an assignment that was given to him and he changed it. God was not pleased with that. Jesus was given an, a, a task within his sphere of ministry at a number of them. I could, there's a whole bunch of them we could rip off, but I'm just going to pull out this one because it is so evident. He went out there to do one thing. And that's when he got into the boat and the storm came and tried to sink the boat and they get over to the other side. And what do they do when they get over to the other side? They're greeted by a man who has a legion of demons. And he's just known as Legion. And Jesus cast out the legion of demons and they went into the pigs and the pigs ran off the cliff. And then the man was clothed and in his right mind. And he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you stay here and you proclaim what God has done for you over on this side. And so then he got back in the boat and he left. So he gets in the boat. He goes over here. He does this one thing, gets back in the boat and goes back. What is that? That is a task within his ministry. It's a one-time thing. God says, I need you to do this. All right, well, I'm gifted for that. I'm equipped for that. We'll go over there and we'll do it. That's a task. All right, that's, that's the first thing. In your area of ministry, God is going to give you some tasks to do, some things that he's going to get done on. We'll give you some, some uh, help with that in here a little bit. I want to go over all three so that you understand the differences between them. Project is the next one. Now, this is a this is a longer undertaking that has an end time. There is an end to it. It's it may, it's going to take more than a day, but there's an end to this thing. And so, uh, this is Moses when he was getting the law. How long did Moses go up in the mountain to get the law? Forty days. God told him, "I want you to come up to the mountain. You're going to be here forty days." When he got down off the mountain, he broke the tablet, so he had to go up for another 40 days, so it ended up being 80 plus days. However long he was down on the mountain, disciplining the people for building the golden calves. But it has an end time. I want you to come up. We're going to do this for 40 days. And at the end, you're going to have all the law. You bring it down, you teach the people. See, that's a, that's a project that he gave him. This is a little longer undertaking. So within the ministry that you have, you may have a, uh, have something that comes up that takes you more than just a day to do. It's more than just a task. So Moses getting along with another. And here's one that took a lot longer. How many remember Solomon? 
Anybody remember what Solomon was famous for? He built something, right? He built a temple. How long did it take him to build that temple? It was a long time, wasn't it? I forget. It's over 10 years. 17 years? All right, we'll, we'll go with that. That's a long one. But it had an end, end result. Uh, he's going to build the house. But once the house is built, the, the project is done, right? But that was something for Solomon. God says, no, your son's going to do it. You're not going to do it, David. Your son's going to do it. That's his uh, project to take on. Here's another one. Titus was given one by Paul. Paul gave him a project. This was not something he was going to accomplish in a day. In, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. So he said, I'm leaving you here. And actually the word there is, is, is cute. The word there, I left you in, in Crete, it's more like I deserted you. Man, them people are crazy. I just got out of there as fast as I could. <laughs> that's all. I don't know that Paul necessarily was doing that, but that's kind of what you can get from the word. I, I deserted you in Crete. Man, them guys are nuts out there. I need you to fix these people uh, and get them straightened out. Once you do, then come on back and join me. So there was an end result, and he ended up being done faster than Paul thought he would get done. Paul was kind of surprised at that. But you see, that's a, that, that's in his area of ministry. That was a project that took a couple of years to get done. And he told him, this is what I want you to do. The very, very specific things. That you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. <clears throat> now then, there's operations. And these are continual tasks. David, as king, one of his tasks was he ruled over Israel. He was the ruler. So as long as he was king, what did he have to do? He had to rule. That's a daily thing. He woke up every day. There's no end result to it. There's no end time to this until he gives up being king. As long as he is king, he's going to keep this going. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. That's not going to quit. That's going to keep on going. Timothy was a pastor of Ephesus. That was his role. He was a pastor and God says, or Paul says, I'm putting you over this city in Ephesus. And he grew one of the largest churches that was there. Paul wrote 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to encourage him in the, in the work that he was doing. So, there are tasks, there are projects, and there are operations. There's, there is some things that you are given in the kingdom of God to do. And your faithfulness in that is observed in the tasks that are there, in the projects that come up, and in the operations of that particular thing. So, we look at the people that are on the worship team. Their, their operation is worship. We're in here worshiping. We're here leading people in the worship. But there are times that certain tasks come up for them. We need you to learn this song. We're going we're gonna, to uh, do this particular thing. We have this special number coming up. Then there are some other things, uh, uh, longer projects that would come up. Maybe we have to redo some, some things that are going on on the stage, redo some uh, wiring, or, or you know, they might uh, strung out a little bit longer. So there, there are projects that are going to be there that have to go on. Brother Daryl's back there on the computer. Uh, getting the screen ready on there. There are certain tasks that he has uh, within that scope of ministry. Every Sunday morning, he would get in here and they would uh, give him, here's the songs for today, and he would uh, put them in or whoever was uh, uh, was sitting in if he was not. It's gotten a little more complicated, so now anymore he's taking the computer home on Wednesdays after service 
and then uh, setting them up at home. So he comes on in. He's got all that sort of stuff uh, taken care of. But that's a task that comes up every single Sunday. He's got to get those things going. Uh, if he sees the scriptures that we have in order to get them ready up there, he gets them all ready for us so that he can just flip them, flip over to them and, and get them over. That's a task that he takes on that uh, that come up every time as, as part of the ongoing ministry that it was there. But he's also taking on the, the Facebook aspect of things and, and making the Facebook visible. And you know, I, I know when some of you folks have been caught at home because of snow or not feeling well or on vacation or different things, and you, you go over there and flip it on and, and uh, watch it, you enjoy that that's going on. Well, there are certain projects that he picked up with on, on that as well. We got these lights up on here because he said that's too dark. And it's not working for the, for the faith. We don't need these lights for us folks here. We need those lights for, for the people over, over there. So he set out to find where can we get these lights and not have to pay a whole lot of money for them. And then how many lights do we need? And he actually got it to, with a guy to come on in and to test them out. You remember we had them on stands in here for a while. We were testing them out, checking some things because it's an ongoing project. How, how many months did you spend on that? There was a couple months. There's a couple of months, but eventually we got to the end completion part of that. We got the four lights. He came in, he mounted them all up there. He and uh, Brother Keith, they were in here together, um, putting them in, wiring all the stuff, putting all that in, and now they're in. And so that project is over. But it's a, it's a project that came up within the scope of that particular ministry. But as long as you have that ministry, there are things that are going to come up in that particular scope of things. There's going to be tasks, there's going to be projects, and there's going to be uh, just the overall maintenance of the of the ministry itself the operation of that particular ministry and you can look at this for just about any area any other area of ministry that is here but there's a there's an effect on it now as you as you go on there's uh there's ways that you get better you know the people up on the stage they get better with um they're they're working on things as far as their instruments are concerned and getting things going with that making them better at the end going home and practicing uh, getting those instruments going. Uh, they, uh, they just added something up there on the stage to, to make the bass guitar sound better. I don't know if anybody notices it. We noticed it. We've been, uh, they were working around. Brother Les and Brother uh, Jolly were working around getting that thing going to get the bass guitar to sound even better than it did before. And we have uh, different things that would, would come up that way. But within any of these ministries, we have to keep honing in and making ourselves better because the way I started it shouldn't be the way that I finished the thing. So we, we keep going in there and we, we're always looking for things. You know, sometimes we're looking for a different software. We just upgraded the software on that and um, I know Daryl was pulling his hair out in the first, well, there's not much there, but <laughs> he keeps it pretty short. But uh, it, was, it was being a problem. Just uh, But we saw some areas that was going to improve some things and to, to help things out. But it's something that we always got to be making ourselves better at. Because if, uh, if Daryl, he's up there and he's doing the words for the songs, and if the words aren't there and you're ready to sing the next verse and it's not there on the screen, for a lot of folks, they stop worshiping. And that impacts the service. So the, the better we get at what we do, then the more impact comes in for the, for the people in the service. So these are the operations. These are the projects. These are the tasks. What is it that you do for God? What kind of tasks... Has he given you? What kind of projects has he put in your mind to do? What kind of things has he, has he picked up for that? What kind of operations has gone on in, in that area? When we were doing things in the, in the worship team on practice nights, uh, 
there were some some things lacking in the area of vocals. And I know my daughter went over and she was talking with, with uh, Sister Angel for a while. How can we make this better? What can we do in here? And so one of the things that she had started, and she picked it up on her on her own. She asked me about it. She says, can we do this? I said, yeah, that would probably be beneficial. And so then on the first 15 minutes of the practice, she comes in with things to help make the voices, vocals better and going over some things uh, about all that. Now, every week she's spending time getting something ready to come on in, to have something ready to present to them, have something ready for them to, to do. And even though most weeks she's not up there on the stage, she's there at every practice doing these these particular things. Nikolai and her come on down, bring the kids on on down because, uh, uh, well, they have them. <laughs> and we're... Uh, but every, every week there's things to, to pull out. What is it that you do for God? And are you putting the thought into it? How can I make this thing better? How can I make this better? Sister Mandy was back over there. She, she had just started taking up being a greeter. And she came up with an idea of um, she was bringing some water out there. And because there were certain people who were going back there at the beginning of the service, or if they didn't get in at right at 10 o'clock, they were going back on through and trying to get some water. She says, oh, I can take care of that. She brought water out there for them, had it all ready for them to go. And so I, I saw her doing it. I said, man, that's a good idea. I said, I got a cooler at home, <laughs> just sitting around not doing anything. And so I brought that in. And so there's, they uh, filled the cooler up with some ice and make the, the water cool. And um, then people are going to have to go all the way back in the kitchen, the refrigerator to get the water. It's right, uh, right available out there. But see, that's when somebody is thinking, this is the area of ministry I'm in. How can I make the area of ministry better? What is it that God has you do? And what kind of assignments has he given you? And are you thinking about how can I do this better? How can I do this better? That's what God's going to be wanting to do. If God wants to give you more in that area, well, then you got, it's, it's going to be 10 on, on how you, you handle some of this. Let me look at this, show you this part as we close this out. Being faithful in your assignments, there's going to be certain things you got to do. First off, you got to be attentive. Be attentive. Know what you have been asked to do. If you had to keep going back to the boss and say, boss, how many copies did you want of that? No, you want to know. When that boss gives you instructions, this is what I need. You write it down. Because I want to make sure I do it exactly the way that they want it to be done. Be attentive. When God speaks something to you, be attentive. Write it down. This is what God told me to do. This is what I am. This is, this is the area of, of ministry he's given me. Write the thing down. And stay with it. Secondly, be focused. Be focused. Stay with what's important. Don't be like Martha. We looked at her a little while ago. Martha got distracted by many things. Mary had the important thing down. And she's out there listening to Jesus. Stay with what's important. Martha thought, well, if Jesus is here teaching, we somebody ought to feed all these people. Jesus didn't say he wanted anybody fed. He came in there with a specific thing to teach. And, and Mary picked up on that. Oh, this is what's important. Stay with what's important. Be focused. Don't get distracted. Keep it in front of you. Keep it in front of you. Sometimes, you know, you got people that are over certain ministries and other people, they see that they're good folks and they're trying to get them. Can you do this for me? All right, well, I can get that done. I got No, no, no. Stop. Stay focused on what you're supposed to do. Don't be running over here taking care of all these other people's things. Find somebody else who can, who can do that. That'll be a ministry for them. For you, it's a distraction. You don't need to do that. Keep it in front of you. Don't add or take away stuff like Saul did. Don't do that. If, if God said do it this way, do it that way. Do it just like he says. Satan's going to try and distract you just like he did with the parable of the sower. 
We had thorns and thistles, pressures of this world. All these things came in. They pulled, don't let these things pull you aside. Stay focused on that area of ministry. What has God given you to do? Third, be diligent. Be diligent. Stay with it all the time. You know, when you're on the, when you're on the worship team, those folks got to do a lot of things. They get a list of songs. They get YouTube things. They got to go back there and, and, and look over. Uh, being on the worship team, it's, it's, it, you know, there, there's a lot that's, that's involved with it. It isn't just show up on Sunday and sing. Play your instrument. There's a lot of stuff that they do in between there. Be diligent. When you're going through it, there are going to be times when you stop being as focused as you ought to be. There are going to be times that you're not quite as attentive. And uh, other things have, have gone on. Make sure that you rebuke yourself. Get yourself on the right, right path in that thing. Now think of it this way. How many of you ever had a job and you've seen the boss give an assignment to somebody in, in the, the place and um, giving them the instructions on what to do in that assignment. I need it done here. I need it done by this. And he just gets rebuked by the employee. Well, don't treat me, don't treat me like that. I'm not stupid. I can figure this stuff out. That's not good, is it? Now, sometimes you'll have that. You'll have people that will speak that way. But what will happen to them? Either God won't use them, or if you're under somebody in the area of ministry, and every time you give them something, there's a problem. And if you try and uh, clarify that this is how I need it done, well, of course you do. Or whatever, they just, you know, they're just, they, they don't want to hear whatever it is to say. Well, generally you're going to find somebody else. Well, no, I'll go over here and I'll find this one over here. And we'll, and we'll do, I'll give it to this guy over here. And then this guy will do it. You know, we got some great ushers. In the, back in there. If I go back and I tell Bruce, Bruce, I need it done like this, Bruce just says yes. That's what he says. Or actually, Bruce will, I should rephrase that. Bruce will say, okie dokie. <laughs> that's more what Bruce will say. But, but never, that's it. Every time I've ever asked him, hey Bruce, I need this, okie dokie. <laughs> just goes out there and he does it. If, if you go over to, to, to Brother Vincent and I say, uh, I need it done like this. Uh huh. Okay. That's it. Don't need to elaborate. Don't need to. Just okay. If I go back to Brother Keith and I say, Brother Keith, can you do this? Yep. That's one of his his words. Yep. Sure can. <laughs> these are these are the things that are helpful. So you see, if I'm thinking, if I come up with something and I need to pass it on, and I go over to them and I know I know what they're going to say. Okie dokie. Yep. Oh, this is going to be good. I'll just do this. But if I, if you have people and they're just going to fight you, I don't want to do it that way. Why do I have to do it that way? I want to do it this way. Well, then I'm not going to give them as much, am I? I'm going to pull back on that. Well, then now I have a choice. I can give it to this one. Or I can give it to this one. Uh, this one won't fight me. It's that way in your, in the boss. It's that way in the church. And I, I wonder sometimes, God, have I fought you sometimes? Have I given you an, a bit of an attitude when you give me an assignment? Or you tell me how to you know, make it right? The way you, you want to do it. Oh, I said, I, boy, I'll tell you what, I hope not. I thought back to the times I was an assistant pastor. And I knew a lot of these truths and I followed a lot of these truths. But I think back and said, oh, I could have done better. I could have done better. 
I may have done some things that caused some stress in that pastor's life. I could have done it better and caused less stress in his life. Oh, I tell you what, I sometimes think back to those things. Oh, I bet you I could have done that a little bit differently. So how are you doing on your assignments? Do you know what God has assigned you? Do you know what type of assignments they they are when he comes to you? Is this a task that he's given within my ministry? Is this a project he's given within my ministry? It's got an end date on it. Is this just the operation of that ministry? And here's the last one. Are you multiplying yourself? Are you finding other people who can do that ministry when you're gone? That's what we got to do. We got to multiply ourselves. I got to find some other people that can do this as well and begin to train them up. Help them out. Now, if you're under somebody in the area of ministry, well, check with the, the people that you're under. Hey, I'd like to bring so-and-so in on this. What do you think about that? And then go out there and, uh, and do that. But there are assignments that God's going to give you. He's looking for faithfulness because as I am faithful with these little tasks, He's able to trust me with the project. Because if I can't be faithful with, with a task that's here today and, and done, how's He going to entrust me with a project? And if I'm not faithful with a project, when that comes up and God says, hey, I got this, I want you to develop it, I want you to, to take this on. If I'm not faithful with that project, how is he going to give me an entire operation of a ministry? He's not. I've got to be faithful with these things. I've got to be checking myself out. If God needs to rebuke me, I just need to receive it. Just, yes, sir. I'll, I will fix that. I'll do better. <laughs> I'll get that done. And that's all there is to it. You see, that's where faithfulness comes in. Now, as we said, next week, we're going to be looking at some things because you may be looking at your life and you may be saying, I've come up short. There's a lot of times I'm coming up short. How do I get this fixed? What do I need to do? Is God upset with me? Is God mad with me? We're going to look at all that. We're going to look at how God looks at us as we are being unfaithful. Remember, we started this off with the verse from Proverbs. Many, many people think they are faithful but God says only a few are and we looked at the verse where Paul says there's only two people that have the same mindset me and Timothy the rest of them don't the rest of them they're, they're going after themselves they're doing what they want to do and most times folks we get into a problem is because I want to do the ministry the way I want to do it I don't want someone to tell me how to do it I don't want someone to tell me I'm doing it wrong I don't want somebody telling me anything about it. I know how I should do it. I know what ought to be done. I'm just going to do it. But if we do, and if we become faithful, the Word of God told us that there are rewards for those that are faithful. Remember the verse of Scripture? The guy who had five talents, and he got five more, and Jesus said to him, Blessed are you. You have been faithful in a little. I'll make you ruler over much. The reward came because of their faithfulness, not because of how much they brought. The guy who made five talents into ten had the exact same reward spoken to him, same words spoken to him as the one who had two and made two, two more. There were a few differences in it, he who has more, more will be given. There is that part of it. 
But he still said to the same one, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words I want to hear because my reward depends on me being faithful more than anything else. So I've got to make sure that I am faithful, not how I see faithfulness, but how does God see faithfulness? What does God see as faithful to me? Would you all stand up? Glory to God. Father, I know we are still a project. There are still more things going on in our life to get us to that place where we are faithful. But I thank you that you're dealing with us and that you're working on us. And we are growing. But as we go out into this world, in the places where we work, in the places where we live, in the people that we are around, I pray, Father, for each person here that that gift of prophecy would come up in them. That they would speak words of edification, exhortation, and comfort to the people that are around them. That they would constantly be listening to the voice of their spirit for the words that God would have them speak. The enemy is putting words in our head to complain, to murmur, and to gossip. Father, I thank you that we can resist every temptation to gossip, to murmur, and to complain. And instead, speak words of edification. If we're supposed to speak words of edification, exhortation, and comfort, and instead what comes out of our mouth is complaining, bickering even, Wondering why something isn't done the way I want it done. Why I didn't get to do this. Why would you do that this way? I'm not bringing in comfort. I'm not bringing in help. And I'm not being found faithful. I thank you, Father, that we are growing in you. And you are growing us up. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed. If you're here today and you realize I have spoken words that are not words of prophecy, but I am prophesying doom, gloom, and destruction by gossiping, complaining, and murmuring. I am declaring over people's lives their destruction the end of something that is good. That's not what you've called me to do. Father, I decide today to guard my mouth, to guard my mind, to not let these words come out of my mouth, to not think or proclaim the destruction the enemy desires but to proclaim the promise that you want. I don't want to be one of the ten spies that brings back a bad report, but one of the two who proclaims the goodness of God. Glory to God. This week, folks, I'm going to be praying these prayers, this prayer for you, that that spirit of prophecy would come up on the inside of you to proclaim good things, 
that your thoughts are thoughts of good things. That you declare the promises of God, not the destruction the enemy wants. And you can be a fountain of good, not a fountain of bitter waters. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us this week. Give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sister Marguerite. Good morning, all. Uh, good morning. Um, I always look forward to this time to um, talk to my family here at Zoe. Those of you that are here and those um, that are uh, watching by way of the internet, um, I count it a privilege to um, just share with you each uh, time that I have here, um, thanking God for the fellowship that we have, the teaching that we have, and uh, things that we learn from our pastor and his teaching. Um, just looking over our notes that we have for today, we have something that we can go into even just the next week and begin to put these things into practice, um, that we don't gossip, that we don't complain, that we don't murmur. And um, these are things uh, that we can, um, it will bring a positive uh, result to our life as we do this. So I'm so thankful for the teaching that we have here and that each and every week, we can take from it and use it, start using it immediately and just um, as we go forward in our lives. Um, I'd like to uh, just read something that I saw in the bulletin today. It says, uh, I guess it's a quote from Henry Ward Beecher. Do not keep the alabaster boxes of your love and tenderness sealed up until your friends are dead or not with us anymore. Fill their lives with sweetness. Speak approving, cheering words while their ears can hear them and while their hearts can be thrilled by them. And if we live our lives that way, um, our friends and our family, uh, as life goes on, some will not be with us. But if we know that to the best of our ability that we have spoken these words of tenderness, of kindness, and have tried to just uh, make them feel better and um, speak words of kindness, it hopefully has helped them and it has really enriched our lives also. Um, I'd like to uh, read over a praise report from the Bacons. Their praise report is that they were able to pay off the remainder of uh, their daughter Lissy's tuition five months earlier. And the sweet thing about this praise report is that um, when I was here earlier this week, um, little Lissy, she's five, and um, with the help of her mom, she was telling me this praise report. And um, at five years old, she was excited that um, this is something good. She could see that this brought pleasure to her parents, and so I was really touched by that. And I said, well, if you um, ask your parents to, uh, you know, write out the praise report, and I'm sure they were already going to do this, 
that I would um, make sure that I read it. So hopefully when she listens to it um, this week, that she will know that this really thrilled my heart. Um, we have a praise report from Mom, Mom Heck. She said that last week she requested a prayer for her friend who was having back pain, and by Sunday afternoon the pain was gone. She's, she has been pain-free this week. Praise the Lord. And for all of us who have um, had pain from time to time, that is a blessing. So we rejoice with her. Now, we have um, an announcement. Um, we're in need of volunteers for the egg hunt that's coming up for both um, preparation, especially the day of. We're creating a video to help advertise uh, at our uh our service, um, our resurrection service, we need as many Zoe faces as possible. If you can help for approximately one minute today, please see Alyssa, and she will give us further instruction. And that's something that's coming up um, in April. It's something that involves the community, and hopefully people are hurting. And um, we are here. We, we desire to uh, see people thrive in Christ, and this is an opportunity that we will have to go and let the community see that we, what we're all about here at Zoe. So that's going to be something that's um, really uh, going to be very positive. As far as things that are coming up um, in the following um, couple of weeks, we have um, our uh, brother Lamar Childs is going to be holding two classes on getting out of debt, budgeting, Building Wealth, Investments, and Starting a Business. The dates are Sunday, March 3rd, and 10th at 1 p.m. after morning service. You should have received a text message last week with greater detail and Lamar's email to respond to. See Lamar if you have any questions, and don't forget to send him an email. And these um, classes, the two classes, are going to be designed to... Uh, help us as uh, individuals, especially the getting out of debt and budgeting, building wealth. Uh, it takes funds to spread the gospel. And God has placed tools in our midst that as we take advantage of them, um, we will, the Bible says that in uh, uh, one scripture, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And these are just tools that um, have been afforded to us that we can take advantage of because uh, as the head and not the tail, that head has funds to do the work that God has um, given us to do. So I'm kind of excited about these classes. Um, again, the one starts uh, will be held on March 3rd. That will be next Sunday. And the next one will be um, the following Sunday. Um, I believe that is it for today, and I just um, ask that you greet one another uh, after service and um, enjoy the week with what God has placed in our hearts today. God bless you all. <laughs>